What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Tina Amini, Hello. And Sam Claiborne. Hi, everyone. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to do our uh, rundown, our yearly publisher rankings uh, based on uh, their average review scores, top 10 publishers. We've got to talk about final bosses. Ooh. Hmm. But first, the news we're all waiting for finally happened this week. E3 2020 has been canceled. It's the first time in E3's 25-year history. Mm-hmm. End of an era. I mean, well, I mean... <laughs> uh, End of an unbroken true? streak. End of an, but I mean... That's fair. I don't know. What, uh, you know, people have been talking about the demise of E3 for many years now. How hard is it going to be for them to pick up the pieces and r- sort of relaunch again next year? Especially if uh, publishers put on a bunch of their own digital events this year and everything goes swimmingly. Which is already the plan. Like Microsoft and Ubisoft have already been proposing that kind of thing. We're obviously far more equipped now than say 10 years ago to do that kind of like That's digital true. live stream thing. So it's not an impossibility that we won't. We're certainly going to get those news announcements. Yeah. We're somehow going to get those demos, um, whether they're just streamed or whether, you know, we revert back to an era where we actually get hands on the old school way, like through, <laughs> through demos. Remember those things? Through the, uh, Pigeon is just to deliver a, a SD card to us. Exactly. They could send out uh, demo units and then we could get yeah. burned yeah. discs. We'll just that's send consoles with it loaded on and then we'll ship yeah. it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. You, that Nintendo, we'll hire yeah. carriers, yeah. yeah. Nintendo had these cases that were yeah. fully lined in foam and then they had two games, ga- GameCube I was going to say scoop. GameCube shaped uh, like like crevices in them, and then they, they put them in there, and then they clam it shut. Do you remember yeah. those? Yeah. Yes. I yeah. found one like in the office, and we sent it back to Nintendo, but it was like for a Twilight Princess. Ten years later. Yep. <laughs> well, we've had like 3DS <laughs> units too. <laughs> um, for yes, that's true. The yeah. majority of the world, for ninety nine percent of people, E three already exists as exclusively as a digital event, mm-hmm. and that's how they're consuming it and experiencing it. So it's very different for us. And the people that work in the industry, Damon, you look like you. Well, it's just, I think there's a caveat to that because at least um, we E3, produce the content. Yeah, well, there's that. And then also E3 provides um, the platform and it's all sort of smushed together. And, you know, there are conferences going one after the other that everyone can tune into over a couple of days. But and that's see not, the whole that's thing. irrelevant to someone that's at home watching on their computer or on their television. It's not irrelevant because that's how they, that that's what organizes the whole thing. Without that, now it's going to be like, Who's doing what? When is yep. it spread over weeks, yeah. months? Yeah, now but, that people are freed from a schedule and a yeah. cadence that E three had dictated. But sure. I see what Justin's saying. Which but the is press like, conferences were technically unmoored from E three to be. They weren't official E three press conferences. It was the companies chose to glom on to. That's true. Like they still had to coordinate amongst themselves to not run at the same time. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't want to get in the way of somebody else's announcement because you want yours to shine. And if you're worried about somebody else's outshining yours, mm-hmm. still have to make those determinations. I think it's super sad. I really like E3. Yeah, I wanted to get your uh, reactions to that. I still, I still look forward to E3 every year. It's still an exciting time to me. So I was bummed yeah. to hear this news. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, we get major announcements. Everyone's energized towards one singular week. We're all looking forward to that. And all we're all looking forward to and working towards that singular mm-hmm. week. So for us, months beforehand, we're on phone calls scheduling our live show. And for publishers, they're doing the same things with their developers. They're working on, um, you know, these vertical slices for demos for either um, hands-on for the public or behind closed doors pub- presentations, whatever it may be. Everyone's focus is on let's make sure that we're getting something out for this big week so we can put our yeah. best foot forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of have been talking about this all week, but I, I really like the 
part of E3 that's actually kind of gone away a little bit, which is Discovery. I have really fun memories of you and I walking around the Xbox booth and mm-hmm. playing uh, Bloodstained for the first time. Yeah. And uh, seeing other games on the way there and being like, oh, what is that game? And checking it out. And like, it does have meaning that Microsoft had those indies in their booth, you know, because mm-hmm. you just knew that they were mm-hmm. can kind of like uh, picked out and, and, and there. And there's plenty of other places to do that type of discovery. And that's great. But E3 was one of them, and we were all at it. It wasn't a thing yeah. that like four people went to yeah. from IGN to represent. It was like every single staff member was there. And the word of mouth that would go around at E3 was so cool. People would be like, I, they'd come back from something, and they'd say, I was really excited. I just played this game. You guys got to go play it while you're here. It's got a plastic guitar that you strum along with. It's crazy. It's down <laughs> in Kensha Hall. Like, I think, like, <laughs> I, I, I know, Justin, you probably haven't had the experience as recently, but I know you, too, have been part of that exact conversation of the past couple of E3s, where it's like somebody comes to you and says, hmm. this is the most interesting thing. You guys got to come over here and play it. And Last I, year, I, I was the blackout. Why not me? <laughs> well, I just, I, I can't picture, yeah. like, the... Uh, the after the uh, the initial day is what what you uh, were doing on the sure. show floor. Yeah, but you go to the show floor. Did you say blackout? Yeah, you remember that? The Call of Duty one? No, oh. no, like a literal like blackout on the in the convention center. I don't remember. Momentarily, there was like a blip of power and everything oh, wow. was dark. Apparently, yeah. were you on the show? I floor? was with you, and then we. <laughs> but we didn't experience it. Yeah, it was like um, I think uh, we were in our like uh, backstage room, and yeah. at the time we're like I had like typed out a headline. I remember it's like we survived the. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we never ran that news <laughs> yeah. story. It's <laughs> hiding in our CMS. Yeah, yeah, it got caught up in something. Uh, we forgot to mention at the top of the show that we have a couple of hard outs. Yes, this episode. <laughs> Tina has a hard out in twenty minutes. That's right. Justin has a hard out in fifty minutes. I'll make it through and, the show. Oh, fifty minutes. Hard out. T-shirts are coming, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that may have been we, a joke. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> We, we do have Omega, Cop, Omega Cops t-shirts yeah, coming. Yes. Uh, we got a bunch of email about E3 this week. One is from Michael Charbonneau in Bar Like the Fruit, Vermont. And I don't know what that means. Well, what fruit is, sounds like bar? <laughs> it's B-A-R-R-E. Is, if it's, even if it's oh, bear. berry. In berry. There you go. Oh, Damon. I see. Oh, you would know that? It took, it took me a you second. You would know that the city B-A-R-R-E is, is pronounced <laughs> berry? You said like the fruit. That's what I couldn't figure out. The fruit bar? Did that immediately come to you, berry? No, because I That's why I'm the so word. confused. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have the, the, the written word in front of me. I only have his pronunciation. But if I would have seen the word hmm. and seen like the fruit... I probably would have been okay. You I don't know what he means by I don't know what he means by like the seems fruit more is like so a workout <laughs> class title to me. Bar. Uh, yeah. Okay. It. Anyway, it's Michael Charbonneau from an impronounceable <laughs> town in Vermont. Nobody knows. Do you think game announcements that were meant for E3 will trickle in much sooner than originally intended, or do you think developers will wait until mid June to try and show their stuff in one giant condensed clump, as if E3 were still going on? Mm. It so depends on how people's negotiations and strategizing go right now. Yeah. Like, you know, we're obviously thinking about what we're going to be doing in lieu of the one big event, the one big physical presence event. Um, so it really comes down to like, what are Ubisoft's plans? What are Xbox's plans? They mentioned, uh, Microsoft mentioned that they would have some sort of digital streaming event, but mm-hmm. they didn't know exactly what the time frame was going to be. I suspect because of everyone's schedules are probably already outlined in a way that like summer slash June in general feels like a good place to go, but they may not stick to that singular week. You know, it's funny. 
is that we've heard like you know these fantastic off the record stories about putting together a trailer for E3, mm-hmm. and they're done like the Sunday before. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, and, and like they're making I, tweaks to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like handing the disc over at the end of Rogue One. He's like, take it, the door's shutting, (laughs) the show's starting. So I can think of at least several, one really funny specific example, which, you know, we can't share, but like they they do that. And so like, I mean, the relief that must be setting in for not having a hard deadline must be one thing, but also like, is it fun to talk about games throughout the summer or are they going to want to do it ahead of that? Like that's what I don't know. Plus, with next-gen consoles being a, a part of the marketing wheel oh this gosh, year, yeah. too. Oh, my gosh, yeah. We haven't even brought that up. Yeah, We're, I mean... next-gen launch year. Yeah, which, like, those have their own marketing cycles, and they mm-hmm. want to make sure they get announcements out before those in a certain cadence that's like, okay, here's some games, so you know what these consoles are operating with, or here's price points. We're waiting for that to drop first. Like, whatever it may be, there's so much other information that they have to juggle around that mm-hmm. I imagine, like... I mean, we talk about E3 really early on in the year yeah, ourselves. Yeah, we already were having meetings about it. Exactly, let alone publishers who have a lot more to contend with because they're building actual games and they're working on like messaging and mm-hmm. what interviews they can make available and so on. So it's a lot to plan. So I can't imagine it'll throw things too off of the uh, you know originally scheduled programming. Yeah, I mean, I I think on the flip side, these companies like E3's canceled, and so they're. They're making it up as they go along. Like yeah, they don't I think everything's know up in the air right like, now. I hope that companies like IGN and certainly video game companies are good at giving the illusion that oh yes, everything is under control, everything is fine. Um, what do you mean illusion? Well. <laughs> well, but I just like, but that's not the case, right? Like mm-hmm. E three is canceled, and they're all like, Ugh. <laughs> no, there's stuff to figure out. Yeah. I think everybody understands that yeah. too. But I do think you're right that like too many things were set too far in advance for there not to be summer mm-hmm. game reveals. Exactly. Yeah, they're building towards playable E three demos, mm-hmm. and the ad space has already been bought mm-hmm. in many instances, and a lot yeah, of that, like a lot of that, like, con- those transactions have already happened, right? Mm-hmm. So that their their ad plan is kind of like done for the yeah. year. And so it gives them a little yeah, bit of flexibility of, of like, oh, now our trailer, <laughs> our trailer is not quite ready. Maybe we can wait a little bit, but like yeah. it has to happen in roughly that time frame. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we may see some announcements trickle out before or after the fact too, depending on their if they're you know reshifted focus of okay, there isn't as much of an emphasis on this one week, so we have a little bit more flexibility to space stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, E3 uh, that month and that week, we see that our highest level of traffic on the site and on all our streaming channels. So mm-hmm. we like to take advantage of that. Publishers like to take advantage of that they know that all eyeballs are all at once on the site so it may not be as much of an important thing unless obviously there's something that the ESA does or someone yeah. else might do mm-hmm. to revive mm-hmm. a sort of E3 presence without the actual like physical LA convention center the yeah. uh the death of E3 was greatly exaggerated to begin with like that's why like I do think E3 will be back next year mm-hmm. like it was still so important to IGN and to you know everyone that attended that show that um I was always a little puzzled by like this show doesn't have any relevance. It's not important anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Games can be revealed whenever. And I'm like, that's never really been our yeah. experience. It's it's true that there is no other um, event of the year that uh, uh, gathers that large of an audience all tuning at the same time and, or that has that many, that amount of game announcements all being, you know, sort of revealed at the same time. There's yeah. kind of a... <clears throat> I was just gonna say, game, you could argue that Gamescom is like approaching mm-hmm. that level, especially Gamescom as has last a much year. Attendance. Footprint, yeah. But as far as game announcements, yeah. less so. But then you had Keeley's opening ceremony last year, which introduced more of a concept of, hey, we can relinquish ourselves from E three uh, LA America in general, and we can you know focus more of our effort, efforts on like a European centric uh, convention with a wider scale of an audience. Yeah. So it's it's. I think like we have to contend with the fact that things have changed, but it doesn't mean 
and it means that E3 needs to adapt alongside companies like Nintendo and Sony creating their own directs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that they die. They just have to adapt to it and evolve. But a big, uh, you know, obviously publishers can uh, hold digital events, but one thing that that doesn't solve for is how do we get to hands-on time with all these games that we normally would at E3? That's the point I was going to make. And we made jokes earlier about, you know, sending out demo discs and stuff like that. But That wasn't a joke. I want those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I want them too. I'm down. I want cartridges, to be honest. Exactly. Like, we're going to ask for something. Let's just get on the same page first and ask for it. Can they be chained to our desk again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nintendo changed their, chained their system store. Actually, when we were at PAX, we did an Animal Crossing demo. And the guy that did the demo is like, I know you from IGN. I used to come to your office and chain the stuff to your desk. I'm the chain guy. Yeah, the chain guy. You were there. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. You guys are also getting uh, smart. Previews, demos, hey, getting yeah, hands so on. Demos. Uh, yeah. So for that, um, that's a really uh, scary thing to uh, not have E3 for. E3 means a bunch of press goes to E3, checks out the new stuff, and then uh, tells you about it and gives you takes. Uh, Nintendo Directs and streams from Sony and stuff are going to make their games look like the best things. Yeah. In the the message will be completely controlled by the publisher. Mm-hmm. And that's really worrying because they can use uh, bull shots in the form of trailers and stuff like that. And they mm-hmm. can do all this stuff. There, there's always a distinction between what you see on, behind closed doors, what you see on the show floor, and then what the thing was they showed in the press conference. And so like, uh, it's on us as the press to figure out like, how do we tell people what's really going on? Because that's our jobs. Critical that, that, opinion matters, right? It, it, like, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're fortunate enough that we're so global and we have other studios located in places that are hopefully advantageous to where developers are so that we can do local things. We can, like we do IGN first where we go to studios and we sit down with them and we get exclusive access to games. So we can easily do the same thing on a different level. We, um, if people aren't touring around more themselves with their own preview events, like yeah. we have access to go to them. Good point. We're, we're lucky enough, you know, IGN is going to, you know, we're a big website with a lot of resources and we're probably going to be okay. I do worry about the smaller websites and independent voices that really relied on E3 to inform. When I worked at a smaller website, we actually didn't write that much during E3. We played all the games and then that was content for months after the fact. Yeah. And um, one way or another, IGN is probably going to get access to the most important things that we need to get access to, but like a smaller site might not. And that really bums me out that like E3 was like a lifeblood mm-hmm. of hands-on impressions for games for, you know, many, many enthusiast websites. And mm-hmm. that's a concern of mine as someone that just cares about the health of like, you know, discourse around video games. Or you can have the perspective Kotaku has, which is, you know, previews aren't reliable sources of information enough. And so they, they've backed away, I think entirely, um, or maybe at least in most cases um, from preview coverage, because it's a very controlled environment in itself. So even though, you know, E3 is an environment where you can go and you can ask questions like even if you get a demo in your hands yourself like either way it's it's a vertical slice more often than not mm-hmm. that access is critical to other websites in a way that it's probably not as much for us mm-hmm. in my opinion well it feels completely crazy to know that we're not going to e3 this year uh but of course e3 is like not the only thing that's uh, been affected by the ongoing coronavirus pandemic uh, mm-hmm. we're finding out this week it's really gonna have a huge effect on all aspects of our life are really in uncharted territory here. And uh, unfortunately, this whole scenario is really just beginning. We're really just sort of beginning to understand how uh, serious the situation is. I know a lot of people in the uh, GameScoop Game Facebook page were um, wondering what's going to happen with all, all IGN podcasts going forward. Um, and even if, basically, there's a plan in place to keep producing podcasts, even if we have to do it from home, even if uh, or the, the production value isn't quite to the level you expect, we're definitely going to try and keep producing the shows for you 
for the foreseeable future. We love talking about games. Love talking about games. We'll find a way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Specifics TBD. Any, anything to take our mind off of uh, current events, for sure. Get Absolutely. together and talk about games. Yeah, good point. Let's move on. Oof. Teo, can we get, uh, yeah, yeah, boost that. I want, I want all the music to be loud. <laughs> Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. Yeah. You know the game? I don't. That's when you level up in Actraiser. Yeah. Wow. These the little effect. Yeah. I've said this before on the show, but the sound bites always drive me insane because like I know them, but not enough to like yeah. identify them. They're they're bouncing around somewhere in my subconscious. Tip I, of the tongue kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, you see that in comments all the time. I always meant I always mean to like mention what the music cues are, but I don't always remember. Uh, let's talk about uh, publisher rankings. This is a yearly feature that we always end up talking about because it's actually a feature that Metacritic puts together where they uh, rank all the publishers based on a few factors. The average Metascore for all games they released in a year that we're looking at 2019. Uh, the percent of games that got good reviews, which is a 75 or higher. The percent that got great reviews, which is 90, per, per, 90 or higher. And then they <coughs> take away points for the number of games that got bad reviews, which is 49 or lower. They crunch all those numbers and they come up with a list of all the publishers. Publishers ranked. Uh, so we're just going to go through the top ten before we before we dive into this. Are any any sort of predictions? I mean, Nintendo's always on the top. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then because they have such a weird situation where they produce so many internal games, yeah. and, and then they get reviewed a lot more because they're Nintendo. So they mm. just have this like confluence of like high scores and like high volume. Okay, so you're expecting Nintendo to be high in the list there. Okay, yeah. let's see. Number ten, beginning with number ten was Devolver. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Go to Volver. Very reliable indie publisher. Average review score in 2019 of 76. Um, they had Ape Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put out um, Downwell on Switch, which I still need to play because that's a vertical flip grip game. Uh, cool. Number nine was Square Enix mm-hmm. with an average review score of 76.1. And this is just for the year, right? This is just 2019. Yeah. So that's Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry got pretty good scores. Devil May Cry is Capcom. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Square Enix. What am I thinking um, of? There's some other game. Square that... Enix released more games in 2019 than anyone else. 28 different games. Okay. In, in 2019, so yeah, um, Kingdom Hearts was one of them. I don't they have the full list of their games. Some other action game. That, what am I thinking of? Okay, it'll come to me. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They had Shadowbringers for uh, Final Fantasy 14, Dragon Quest 11 S for Switch, mm-hmm. Near Automata, Game of the Year Edition. Oh yeah, that's right. even I don't, think, they, I don't even, think Game of the Year Edition should count. They well, you'll have to take that up with, Met, with, <laughs> with Mr. Critic. <laughs> Mr. Critic, I'll get him on the phone. Uh, number eight. This is pretty good. Number eight comes with a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you know why that would be? Because they're gone. Because it's Humble Bundle. Oh, oh. okay. Humble Bundle is owned by IGN. Wow. Uh, right. The number eight uh, publisher in 2019. Well, they had, I mean, like Slay the Spire. They put out Slay the, yeah. Slay the Spire, so. one of the absolute best games of the year. That's true. And this year they put out Temtem, which is well-reviewed. Temtem is out now. I think it's early access, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, definitely out and playable right now. Yep. That's the um, Pokemon-like MMO. Mm-hmm. Number seven was Xbox Game Studios. Average review score, 76.4. I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but I'm trying, like, what did Xbox release last year? I know, was every single just one of these. Completely, I mean, they had Forza. They had Gears. Not Forza. Oh. Gears. They had Gears yeah. 5. Yeah. But that yeah. was it for the fall. Because they were going to have Ori and Battletoads, and those got pushed to the But right. they did put the original Ori on Switch, mm. which is a great game. Mm. That helps boost their score. But their score was held back a little bit by Crackdown 3. Yep, uh, Crackdown. Yeah. Number six, I think you'll be pleased with this one, is Annapurna Interactive. Mm-hmm. With an average review score of 80.5. Mm-hmm. Make such great choices. They did Watam last year. They did Watam. They, I didn't realize this. They published Outer Wilds. Yeah. And Sayonara Wild Hearts. A game you rolled wow. credits on, Sam. Yeah, I rolled right? the credits on that. <laughs> I've only played the last level, but I rolled the credits on it. It counts. Yeah. This is actually news to me, but apparently they, apparently they published Journey on PC and iOS in 
2019. Weird. Yeah. Wow. What a weird get. I know. Yeah. A, a former PlayStation exclusive is now I, published I was, by Annapurna. I would have published Journey. Come to me next time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Now we're getting into the top five. Number five was... <laughs> I wanted to build some drama. Capcom. Cool. With an average review score of 79.1. I think that's Square Enix. <laughs> Average review seventy nine point one. And you that might- was a joke from earlier. I don't really <laughs> think referential that. humor. It's a callback, um, and Tina was not wrong. Uh, I, I, um, I, Capcom had yeah, Resident Evil was such a good game. It was reviewed really well, but then so it was, it was definitely a Cry Five, and those have really high scores. Yeah. Then was there anything else? Monster Hunter, uh, Iceborne mm-hmm. expansion, mm-hmm. Mega Man collections. How many Mega Man collections? I don't were know there? if they put out a collection. Twenty, last thirty, year. one per month. There was at least thirty Mega Man collections. <laughs> but Capcom right? released thirteen <laughs> games in twenty nineteen. So I don't have the full list here. Number four, I'm not going to give a drum roll for this. <laughs> Paradox Interactive. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A- Age of Wonders, Planetfall. I think they probably do a lot of PC strategy games. Mm-hmm. So we haven't got Well received, to... but probably don't talk about a lot of games. So EA might not be on the list, but we haven't got to you. I was thinking EA, UB, There's only Sony, three more. Sony. Or Nintendo. Yeah. So the top Activision? three. Activision? Actually, that was on last year's top five, I think. It was. Yeah. You remember correctly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a rarity. So is that the, all of those might be missing from the top ten. It's possible. All right, we're going. We're in the top three now. EA is not going to make the what top five. Okay. I'm guessing. So you're thinking because of everyone's public game. UB Acti. We have we have four UB Acti Nintendo. Three left. So, three left. So, top Sony. three. Not UB Sony. Acti. <clears throat> I wouldn't put Sony on there. They got Death de- de- Stranding ruined them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their, their score average would be lower, for, and, and it, Days Gone. Like they didn't have a good review year. Let's see it. Right. Okay, number three is. Damn it! <laughs> Sorry, that's Peppy. <laughs> yeah. Damn <laughs> Nintendo. Okay. Oh, number three. I didn't come in number one. Number three, uh, Mario Maker Two: Link's Awakening, Fire Emblem. Luigi, Obviously, had a Luigi's Mansion. Those are really mm. good Might be a little bit surprising. Somebody that is outscoring one. them. Yeah. Seriously. Those are like you just rattled off. Two companies are outscoring them. Number two is Activision Blizzard. Wow. Nice. Okay, so we're doing good. Big company. And World of Warcraft Classic. Sekiro. That people like right. to Call of Duty. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I think one has to be something ridiculous then, because I, I can't imagine it being... <laughs> UB? UB or Yay. One is a little bit ridiculous. UB makes a lot of games. Yeah. Who they is the number one games, publisher? The average. number one publisher in 2019 was... <laughs> Epic. 505 Games. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> publisher of Bloodstained. Yeah. And control uh, sure. game of the and year. Control. And control. Game of and the control. Year. Yeah. yeah. So those games, they did. It so, was just for that. It's a score average. So if you only do two games. No. They, had they other actually, games they, they had a special credit for games that won game of the year. <laughs> That's not true, but <laughs> they could have. Get a bump. They got a lot of game of the year. IGN right? bump. Yeah. 505 games, the best reviewed publisher of 2019. Well done. Wow. They did it. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, so you were wondering about what those other companies. EA was number 13. Mm. Uh, they didn't have a great year. Anthem, of course. Mm. The Switch version of FIFA was apparently terrible. Mm. Fallen Order. They put out a new Need for Speed that no one cared about. But of course they did have Fallen Order. Really? <laughs> yeah, there was a new Need for Speed, yes. Uh, <laughs> Ubisoft was number 14. Again, they kind of had an off year. Ghost Recon Breakpoint was mm. kind of a bust. The Division 2 was good, but I don't think a lot of people bought it. Uh, they had no big single player game for the fall, like an Assassin's Creed or Far Cry. Uh, Sony was way down at number 22. Days uh-huh. Gone, Death Stranding, Medieval, the reboot of that, mm-hmm. all that sort of which, which is Which was reviewed well. Which, Medieval? Mm-hmm. Was it? I, I just mm-hmm. don't think people yeah. cared about that much. It came much. and went. At the very, very bottom of the list was Bethesda. Number 30. 
Of course, Bethesda's yeah. been. But it wasn't started. Fallout. Like Fallout seventy six was the year before. Yeah. They had Wolfenstein Youngblood. Oh, so everyone was yeah. kind of like, man. Mm. Anyway, there you have it. The top. They're 10. about to have Doom. I'm excited for that. Doom is by, by all accounts, Doom Eternal is looking very, very good. Uh, before we move into our next topic, we're at two fifty eight, Tina. Yeah, I got a heart out. Okay, two fifty eight exactly. If you want to step out and send in Mark, Medina. I shall send in the replacement. Okay, thank you, everyone. Thank you for scooping with us. I always Tina half scoop. What's she missing? Lo fi scoop to come. Some pinball talk. Okay. Oh, good. Let's check in. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that's that's a true heart out right there. A harsh out is what we call that. Let's check in with listeners. Hey, listeners. our friend Holden Hints from Las Vegas. Remember him? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. King <laughs> strategy guide. Said, Last week, I went on a double date to the Vegas Pinball Hall of Fame. Cool. And played arguably the greatest pinball machine of all time. Medieval Madness. Medieval Madness. Oh! <laughs> we were really going to talk about pinball? It has many great components from a troll fight to destroying a castle. Come we don't need Mark for this. What are some of your favorite pinball machine components? What, t- toys? <laughs> he says pinball machine components. I, f- I thought Sam would know. What oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know any. Well, Welcome, I, I really like That's why I was trying to talk about I really like springs, <laughs> balls. I, I like, like the shafts. Flip, the flippers myself are a big fan of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any sort of uh, locking mechanism. I like uh, opt- optical sensors. Are uh, magnets are good. Is there a magnet better? <laughs> yeah. So I know what he's saying, though. He's saying, like, you know, games have ramps. Those are really yeah. popular. Yeah. They have uh, things have like spinners ramps. and loops and pop bumpers and stuff like that. So the things that I like the most. Well... I like um, a type of game that now is be- becoming considered boring, which I still like, but there's too many of them now, which is the Medieval Madness thing, which is called a fan pattern. Hmm. And that's where there's not a lot in the play field. Everything's at the back of the play field. So if your flippers are shooting all the way across the play field mm-hmm. to you know, seven or eight shots that are in a fan pattern across mm-hmm. the back of the game, that means that every shot you, know, you can hit pretty easily and then it comes back to your flippers, usually by, via ramps or via uh, uh, wire form habit trails or like however you're going to do it. So I really like that. I also like upper flippers when there's like yeah, another yeah. flipper good, up yeah. top, and, and especially if it's on a mini play field. I'm a sucker for many play fields. Like Game so of Thrones means, had that when you're up into the... Yeah, and, and it was so waste in Game of Thrones. There's nothing to do yeah. in that one. Yeah. But a lot of games, like the new Pirates of the Caribbean game, it, it's a ship, and the ship rocks back and forth. Cool. And it has its two own flippers, and they're small. And then it has spinners, and then you can hit uh, into a one part of it, and it's a cannon that shoots across the pinball machine yeah. to another ship is and that goes like inside a, that ship. Is that cool. like Black Rose? Is that what it's called? No, no this is the Black new Pirates Pearl? game. But yeah, but Black Rose, is it similar in how it's... Black Rose has a... Has a, has a a mast yeah. all the way down yeah. the play field and the ball rolls down the top just under the glass. Pirate games are cool. Yeah. They always work out. There's only a couple. Um, so I like those things and uh, I like, uh, what else? What do you guys like? I like the bouncy, the little round things where it just like, those are good, yeah. And like the rubber bands that the ball touches it and like pops it away. Those So those are the two things that like have been I was about to call them that. I know what, no, I don't know what they're called. They've been in games for like 75 years. And whenever they break in games, like the games I operate, I'm always like, nobody's going to know the difference. I think my favorite toy in any pinball game is the... the lamp in Tales of the Arabian Nights. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that is that the thing? Spinning That's not, disc. Yeah, the spinning and you hit disc. it. Goes, oh, it's so satisfying. And it, and it has the uh, mm-hmm. lights that light up the playfield. You get it at a good angle, and then that thing just goes crazy. Yeah. 
both Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars, who are designed by the same uh, person who just put out his first game in 20 years, uh, the new Stranger Things, they both have a similar component, which is in the center of the game, there's a bash toy where you can like, you know, in Medieval Madness, it's a castle and Attack from Mars, it's a spaceship. And you like hit it a bunch of times and then it opens up and then you, the ball goes inside of it and kind of locks, disappears. I really like that too. And in both those games, they like animate. So like the castle has these like towers that like fall and go apart Mm. and stuff like that. And I will say for my money, you know, Medieval Madness is easily the best game ever made as a tie with Monster Bash. I love Monster Indiana Bash. Indiana Jones <laughs> and Lord of the Rings. Okay, got it. Oh, four way tie. Good, four good picks. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, do you know that Medieval Madness, Tina Fey's voice is in that pinball table? How would I know that? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, uh, one you didn't of the look other at the IMPB <laughs> Wait, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Another cast member from 30 Rock is in it. Her her boss, the like studio manager, hmm. is also there. Both Second City members yeah. in yeah, Chicago okay. and all yeah. pinballs made in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. That game was made in 1997. They yeah. hired these Chicago actors and I'm sure at like a day rate and one of them turned out to yeah. be Tina Fey. And That's I think really she's cool. in Attack from Mars also because those are made at the same time by the same person at Williams Valley. Very cool. Mark, how you doing? Great. How are you guys? Welcome back to GameScoop. Thanks. Have you ever played the Super Mario Brothers pinball machine? No. I've only played yeah. the ones we have out there. You can speed run like- it. Really, I maybe probably not though. All you do is not flip. Yeah, I yeah, I can lose really fast. Is that any percent just losing percent. crazy fast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's getting any sort. That of is score? a type of game, uh, pinball competition where they do a thing. Um, it's not pin golf because it's that's called just else. put in a quarter and no. Just like you, what you do is you're trying to plunge and not hit any switch in the game, and so you get the lowest score. It's golf scoring. So you're only working the one little thing yeah. and seeing yeah. how you can nudge okay. too, right? Oh, sure, sure. You can't sure. tilt. I never thought the nudging thing was real. Like I could, I, I know you do in the computer games. Like you can push a yeah. button and it like nudges it. Yeah. Until I worked here and I saw you and you were like, and I was yeah, like, oh, really, people like actually do that. If yeah. you're not tilting, you're not trying. <laughs> I feel like I would break. Yeah, I feel it. like to me, to my eyes, Sam's very rough with the tables. I would, be, no. I would never dream of treating the table that way. But Sam's Sam's a pro and knows what he's doing. Yep. Uh, Mark, we've never you, got yelled at when we're at a. That's bar. true. That's true. <laughs> uh, can, what are you working on? Can you share what you've been working on at your desk today? Or is it, uh, is it something that's under embargo? No, I don't care. We're working oh. <laughs> on a we're working on a devs react, uh, which is what I feel like I'm always working on now. Yeah. And uh, this weekend is Half Life Two, and cool. I want you guys to be very excited because I think it's going to be really really cool. I am very excited. Uh, it's it's I say this almost every week. Uh, this is my favorite one. <laughs> and just so I, everyone is aware, this is devs react to a speed run to a speed Half-Life run of Half Life Two. Yeah, the original original gameplay programmers for Half Life Two. Uh, reacting to uh, a speedrunner. His name is Wayzone. Uh, and it's really, really funny. These guys are super funny, and the speedrun is completely broken. It's so cool to watch. Yeah. As so many speedruns are. Yep. Very yeah. cool. Uh, okay, what did you guys think about this news this week? Strange news this week that mm. Reggie Fizeme, mm-hmm. he of former uh, head honcho of Nintendo of America, inventor has of the Bigfoot Pizza, inventor of the Bigfoot Pizza when he was at uh, Pizza Hut. He's joined the board of directors at GameStop. Mm. Does this surprise anybody? Well, I mean, I don't know how many people are on the board of directors. <laughs> is, it one of, is he one of a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot of directors running yeah. GameStop. Is, there, is, that, is it that big of a board? <clears throat> We've been reporting on GameStop recently. And, well, they're, it's just, yeah. and they're trying to change a lot of what they they're, do. And part of what they do is trying to make like spaces for people to come and play games instead of you know just selling games and... Uh, 
honestly, that's exactly what Nintendo did. They're always like, come to a house and everybody play together. So he kind of makes sense in that in that stretch. Yeah, I, don't, I guess so. I don't think it's a surprise. Nope. You know, I think he's semi-retired. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what semi-retired, you know, business people do is they join boards. Yeah, you can use companies. your expertise, but you don't need to go into an office every day. Yeah, right? you yeah. advise them. And like, <clears throat> typically, this isn't like a hard and fast rule, but like usually there's different people on the board. Like, prob- I've never seen the GameStop board. I don't know who's on it. So having done no research know, at all. We know one person. Well, yeah, you're right. But like 999 people, yeah. we know the one. Yeah. There's probably some people that have retail expertise. They don't need to know anything about video games. So it's like there's probably some JCPenney executive that's yeah. on the GameStop board. And there's probably <laughs> some people. I don't know people, if you want JCPenney. But like, you know, and then there's people that have video game expertise. And there's people that have, you know, probably digital expertise. And like, you know, those people put together, make up the board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're the ones that are sort of helping the CEO steer the ship. So, yeah. I mean. Could he be on the board of directors for GameScoop? Is he mm. a good choice? Maybe he already let's, is because there's a thousand of them. <laughs> yep. Let's have a no. game scoop board of. Directors. We could get a board, right? That's yeah. no. That's no big deal. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be you four that are on the no, show? No, 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 no. We report into no. them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Why do is we want to do this? Really, Wait, wait that's is that really what you want? You want yeah. another layer? <laughs> like, well, if it's this like, is going to be the show this week, they're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, pinballs? Nope, nope. That's not going to work. Wait, we've made horrible If it's a bunch of retired people we respect, then sure. Yeah. I'll work with them. That's true. It's like, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, it was a little bit surprising to me and other people that Reggie is a very well-respected, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sure. video game executive figure, mm-hmm. and uh, GameStop is a less respected video game entity. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people have a lot of confidence in their future. So him joining the board of directors is kind of like, well, does he know something we don't? Does he have a lot of confidence mm-hmm. in GameStop's future? No. Well, part of joining a board of directors is that you know. You, you you are helping out, but you're not you know, depending on that company for sustenance. Yeah, maybe it's like if they do complete a turnaround story, it's like oh Reggie helped aid in this turnaround story. But yeah. then if they go completely bankrupt, then it's no skin off his back. Like yeah. oh, sure. it's kind of a good risk for him. That's true. Also, I think GameStop probably has a lot of goodwill in bi- various parts of the country. It's just not on the internet. Mm-hmm. Think so. Yeah, because it's like where else are you going to go hang out and play games? I mean, it's like the that, only place to buy video yeah. games in yes. many towns. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. All right. This is uh, an email from Pete in Melbourne. It says, just wondering what you think makes the perfect final boss in a game. And what are some final boss traits that you think work well? And what are some that you hate? Mm. Uh, like bosses quite- that you grab their tail and you spin them? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you really like? It's perfect. Ones? Yeah. It's perfect. Sometimes you choke them, though. But uh, for the most part, it's what are you talking? When you, yeah, you're not the, referencing Mario anymore, and I, mean, I lost. Oh, yeah, the... I mean, you like you choke the throws. You know what I'm saying? When oh. you're trying to get a good speed run time. Oh, okay. Everyone like, speed runs Mario, to... right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes you choke. Mario was throttling <laughs> Bowser. Yeah. yeah. Would that work? You know? Could Mario choke Bowser? I don't think so. Could he get him in a headlock? <laughs> I don't. No. Yeah, no. Bowser's very big. He's not tall. Enough. He's a big neck, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he grabs his tail. Like he grabs just the smallest part of his tail. And well, he's super, Mark. He's super. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you're saying that the edge, the, the point of his tail is not big enough to grab. Uh, I'm saying that's the smallest part of his body. I'm surprised that that's what he's able to grab to be able to keep grip of this giant turtle man. So you were thinking more of a claw would be better. Yeah, but like you said, he's super. He doesn't. He, he doesn't should, follow I can tell normal. You think about this he doesn't follow normal <laughs> rules. Well, like like how does the hat with wings stay on his head? Like wouldn't the hat just fly off? He's super. That's the answer to every question now boss fight thing I hate you really threw me for a loop with yeah. the hat <laughs> is uh, when a boss is talk giving you important plot 
Okay. Yeah. And it's like, it's very stressful. Like bosses are stressful. You're trying to figure out where to hide and what their patterns yeah. are. Like, it was me think. all along. Yeah. And then when the boss is like just dumping information on you, I'm like, I wasn't listening to any of that. Like <laughs> oh, I'm trying no. to stay alive. It's kind of how Bioshock works. Yeah. A lot of games, a lot of games fall into this trap of like, there's something really important that requires your constant gameplay concentration. Mm-hmm. And then they're, dumping important plot information on you at the same time it's insane once you're ready to fight the boss you're ready to fight the boss right is what you're saying yeah just like like, i can't i can't split my attention that way yeah one of our reviewers tj hafer uh said he 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 was having a lot of frustration the other day because he was fighting a final boss and he didn't say which game uh maybe it's embargo who knows and he said that there's like a cut scene there and it uh every time he died on the boss you have to rewatch an unskippable cut scene scene before a hard boss is evil yeah it's really bad Banjo Kazooie has a quiz show. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> I love that game, but it's so bad. Is that- and then the boss fight, it's really hard. It just goes on and on forever. Yeah, it's a million forms. Months. Oh, yeah. Another boss fight thing I hate is like. And we really it- changed the topic of this. No, that, <laughs> that, that was, was love and hate. Another one is when it introduces some mechanic. Like you're playing it in a way that's counter to the, yeah, entire, the entire rest mm-hmm. of the game. Like yeah. it's a platformer, and then you're not platforming on the boss. Like you're doing something else. How, so many games do this garbage. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't they use the skills you built throughout yeah. the game and then challenge you on them? Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's just kill Hitler. <laughs> you jump out of a jump off a ledge and kill Hitler. <laughs> well, I think you're both talking about two different games, but we are. Uh, I was what? talking about Wolfenstein. Oh man, I was talking about <laughs> Bio <Biota> Commando. <laughs> but I was picking up what you're both putting down. Um, this this led me to wonder why why do we even call them bosses? Yeah, we've talked about this before. It's uh, crazy because they're in charge. But right? is it? But it's so that's not always. But the that's case. not. That's yeah, frequently yeah. not the case. That's true. I mean, there's an et- etymological history to that that I'm sure can be researched through the Video Game History Foundation. We should ask them where was the first paper sightings of boss. Yeah. Well, I've, mm-hmm. I've funny you asked that. Okay. <laughs> it's like side-scrolling beat-em-ups, right? Where it was like the boss of the gang, and they were the yeah. one you were taking yeah. down at the end. Because um, I remember like like the idea of a boss ship. Like that's really early, and mm-hmm. there's a game called Gorf that has that. Well, yes, that might be the first game that had like a, a, a final boss, but I don't think anything in the game's marketing calls it a boss. Well, that's mm-hmm. what's weird is because we would just call that a mothership, right? Yeah. Ma- Mappy has Wait. a boss in it. Uh, the instruction and it manual. It says boss in Mappy. It says boss the big bit for one of the guys. In Mappy. So when would Mappy have been? And he's Mouse Police. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Where does it say boss for Mappy? In Mappy in the title screen, it shows Mappy and it says Mouse Police. Okay. And then it says some other guy, which is just a, a cat. Okay. And it says it says boss the big bit. I don't know what it means. But, so that makes more sense if boss comes from the idea of there being like a like a, a crime lord. Right. You mm-hmm. know? That's where I think the it boss came from. of a crime family. Yeah. And if Mappy's a policeman, mm-hmm. obviously he'd be going after He's the, the boss. local Mouse crime police. family. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. Starring Mappy as Mouse Police. I get that, but like so many video games don't follow that sort of like traditional like no. crime family. No, you've even heard stuff like it's like, oh, this is a boss level, and it's yeah. just like a level that's harder than yeah. the nor- the exactly. other levels kind of deal. Exactly. Um, but I, in my research, I did find that the instruction manual for the original Metroid on mm-hmm. NES. This is why I was posting some photos of this this week. It says in the manual, yeah. Samus's mission is to destroy the Mother Brain mm-hmm. in the planet's central base. On the way, he continues to search endlessly and to kill the many bosses mini that bosses. he beats. So even in, what, that's 86? 86, 87. In 86, not only were we past boss, we were on to mini bosses by yeah. then. Okay. Well, is it mini bosses or many bosses? No, mini in my I remember mini, oh, okay. mini boss being a term from Metroid. Yeah. yeah. I remember it being mm. that. Because um, Nintendo Power used it too. Okay, I was wrong. Mappy as micro police. Mm. 
It changes everything. Micro police. But it does it say boss? You know, he's, yeah. And then it says Nyamco, which is cute. That's the name of a Nyam cat, like yeah. Nyamco. Yeah. It's one of them. As boss, the big bit. I was right about that. And then it also stars Mukies as naughty folks. Um, <laughs> is boss the big bit actually supposed to be like the final boss though? No, it's just a big guy. So this, <laughs> so this is the English instruction manual to Metroid. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can't think they, they were printing whatever they wanted in those things. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. this they is were a, all made up. It's an early reference to calling them bosses. Yeah. You know, there's, I was, I read a really, I'll, I'll dig it up and send it to you. Maybe we can put it in the comments of game scoop, a really interesting article about, uh, Mario enemies and how their naming conventions, like, some enemies don't have an official name and colloquially like we know like you know a bullet bill is a bullet bill but some of those names are just made up like mm. they're not canon anywhere in mario mm. but then they've been canonized like mm. by the fan community and then they work their way back into the games it's just like well everyone knows it's called a you know shy guy or whatever like but some of those some of those phrases weren't didn't come from nintendo yeah that mario 2 has some good bosses in it fry guy i'd lied <laughs> Yeah, Mouser again. Cloglip again. This brings up the question: Are they the boss? Wart? Are they the boss of this area? They're like they have employees that report to them. Yeah, it's Triclide. I think is the name of that boss. Did I say Hydlide? Isn't Hydlide a different game? I think Hydlide is its own. Mm -hmm. As part of this discussion, I don't like most boss fights. I think. I think. What about Fry Guy? I think on the whole, more of them are bad than good. Like I think too often they're throwing some gameplay gimmick at Mm -hmm. you, or like you know it's not. It's a very different experience than the rest of the game is. Hmm. What about boss fight music? It's always the best. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a question about that description, though. Do you think... Description of what? The Metroid. Do you think that they said he because they're just oblivious? Yes. Interesting question. Or they're preventing spoilers? I think See, they're preventing spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> no. Think about the people that were localizing... I think they're completely oblivious. That Samus is a girl. The people that spoilers? were... Oh. I don't think. Think about the people that were localizing that game in '86 or '87. Yeah, they had no Before idea. Before the NES, like, like I yeah. think it's funny to think like, "Ooh, they were preventing spoilers." That's a lot no, of people they, think. No, they weren't. They just had no. <laughs> no they they just assumed. Samus they was just never beat the game. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Um, maybe. Maybe you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Uh, one more quick question before we get to video game 20 questions. This is Stephen from Austin, Texas. Says I listen to a few different game podcasts, but I've always loved. Game Scoop's banter and camaraderie the most. Also, I'm a, as a gamer of a similar age, I tend to share your outlooks and opinions. I grew up in the heyday of 8 and 16-bit games, but fell off of gaming around the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation era. To me, the low-res polygons were just such a step back from the beautiful pixel art of the SNES and Genesis generation. Mm-hmm. I didn't get back into gaming until Mass Effect 2, which showed me how epic and cinematic video games had become. Since then, I've been fully back on the bandwagon, but I have a huge gap in gaming knowledge from the PS1 to early PS3 era. Mm. Thus, I've relied on YouTube and watch Let's Plays of games that I never played or can't really get my hands on now. My question is, as professionals in the field, do you have any similar gaps or blind spots in your video game experience? What do you do, what do, you do to try to shore up those areas? Gaps. Yeah, I didn't play anything on the PlayStation. Yeah, you've mentioned that. And before. I was going to get a PlayStation Mini to remedy that. But, but, then, it <laughs> but then it turned out not to be so uh, mm. I really intentionally went out and got some of the games that I know are more... Um, timeless like you've been playing Final Fantasy 7 Final Fantasy 7 exactly I try to track those games down um, but that that system had a lot of things that were like locked on it that I would never go back and play they're just you just kind of had to be there like the Tony Hawks and the sports games yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that I mean yeah not worth it but I, I'm really interested in obscure like cool games like Klonoa and stuff like that and you know mm. I spend a lot of time going back and playing old games like you do and sure in various ways so 
Yeah, yeah I, I would say like original Xbox. I was a mm-hmm. PS2 kid around that era, and I I'm, I played Halo. I really can't think of any other game I played for that. Mm-hmm. For that. Once the 360 came out and had backwards compatibility, it really helped me learn that library. Like go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I never did because like I just. I got a 360, got Halo 3, and it was like, you know, just staying current. And so, I, yeah, that's like a huge gap. Uh, then there's like weird ones where it's like Sega, um, Saturn. But like, I think that's a gap for a lot of people. To everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, no, not really. I didn't play Saturn or Dreamcast. And, and I had a good reason to because I had gotten the Genesis, the 32X, and the Sega CD. And <laughs> you then I was just lesson? like, what am I going to play on all these systems? Like, there's just nothing that I like on any of them. And I have yeah. three you know, stacked up Sega systems. <laughs> and then the Saturn came out. I was like, no way. There's just no way. And by the time the Dreamcast came around, I'm like, they're never getting me back. Yeah. But, a, a more recent one would be Wii U. Like I never really played a Wii U. You didn't like, own, own one? Never yeah, owned yeah. one. And What's up? You never bought a Wii U, right? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. What did How you do you think I played NES Remix 1 and 2? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Sorry, go ahead. I, was, I don't have any time gaps. Like since I've been five, I've been gaming, you know, consistently <laughs> never stopped I, you know like everybody on earth like you know even though i've been playing games my entire life like there's definitely games that people love and adore that i just you know never got around to but also in my professional career i've kind of tried to close that gap like mm-hmm. computer rpgs were always something that i admired from afar i really mm-hmm. uh you know respected all the adoration people had for games like planescape torment and you know Baldur's gate mm-hmm. all of those classics and then um I've made a deliberate effort to sort of try to work my way through them. And, um, you know, now I do know and like computer RPGs point and click adventures are another similar one. Like yep. I always knew that everybody loved them and they were so beloved, but it was not an experience I had. And then I've since gone back and played most of those classics. Be a great collection for switch. Yeah. Lucas, Lucas Arts games. That would be mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but nineties PC gaming is probably my blind spot. So mm-hmm. we never had a PC growing up. So Monkey I never, Island. I never played doom. I never played a lot of those LucasArts. X-Wing versus Tidewater. Is that still, still really the case? Good. Well, since the, like yeah. they've, they've re-released a lot of these yeah. games on modern platforms. So I got to play Monkey Island one and two yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, day of the tentacle, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. I played Maniac Mansion on NES. SimCity? King's quest on NES. I played SimCity on SNES. Mm-hmm. Um, I never played Quake. I never played Warcraft 2 mm. or 3, like that sort of stuff. So I missed out on a lot of that PC gaming in the 90s. Mm. I mean, we all missed out on arcade stuff, so it's been fun going back and learning about the first gen of arcade yeah. games. Yeah, early, early arcade games, yeah. for sure. I never played Shark in arcades. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Well, I never played Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or anything. Like, those are not games. Those are my favorite games, and I you know, missed those entirely. Yeah. I'm just too young for them. My family had a bar, and that's how I got that's right. the exposure mm-hmm. to street, the Mario, <laughs> street, pinball Mario Pinball and Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Street Fighter. Yeah. That's great. All right, and that brings us to video game 20 questions. Whoa. It's also ActRaiser. Uh, our suggestion this week comes from Sky Brown. Let the questioning begin. Uh, Sam, this is from before 2000. Is this from before 2000? No. Is this game on? Was this game first released on this generation of consoles? No. Oof. Okay. Is it on this generation of consoles? Yes. Ooh. Is it on the Switch? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Is it? A clarifying question. Mm-hmm. Please, I would like to. I'm, I'm putting a request out to the panel to not be charged a okay. question for this. <laughs> when it's available on this generation of consoles, like, does that mean that it was, you know, is it a backwards compatibility thing that like you can play a last gen game on Xbox One or was it like released on this? I don't know, if, I don't know if the board of directors of will um, answer that question. Okay, so 
was this game released like you know for this new generation of consoles yes okay that's fine mm. it's not just a situation where you can like there's some arcade classic yeah yeah uh but not switch yeah not switch is this a first party game yes was it re- was it re- released on playstation 4 no My- so. microsoft first yeah it's party? gotta be Xbox. if it's not on switch yeah but but it could be Master Chief Collection. Yeah, because it was originally released for 360, right? It was after 2000, but not originally released for this generation, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. So it's but it is available. Okay, was You're saying game? a Halo game? And it's a, and you said it's a first-party game. Mm-hmm. So uh, first, is this a first-party Microsoft game? Yes. Oh, okay. So it's Halo. Guess we got this. Well, probably. <laughs> Does it have Space Marines in it? No. Okay. And it's, then it's nothing. <laughs> Does ODST count? <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh well, let's. Uh, yeah, I, I think we should narrow down the original console. So, because it could be Xbox or it could be 360. So, uh, should we burn a? Could question? be Phantom Dust. Does this game have a really cool card game system in it? No. Aww. That's ten. The heck is Phantom Dust? It's a game with a really cool card game. It has this cards in it, so I'm out. Yeah. Dude, Phantom Dust rules. Um. God, I thought for sure I had it there. Yeah. Are the are the boys in Gears of War? Are they Space Marines? <laughs> but that wasn't released. Oh yeah, it could, it could be Gears. It could be. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not released in any way though, right? No, Gears One through Five came out on. Um, yeah, you could play Gears One remastered for uh, Xbox One. Is yeah. this game a part of a series? Yes. Is it a shooter? No. Oh, it's, maybe it's Pagel. Oh wait, that's EA. That's yeah, that's first party. So hold on, Jump so to Pagel. So because <laughs> because I know Damon and uh, we share a mutual love for Pagel, uh, and we're gonna speed run it. Each of us holding one part. So of the So there's <laughs> there's there's rare replay, and rare is owned by Microsoft. That's right? true. So that's true, they are now. Be, yeah, could be banjo, nuts and bolts. Yep. Um, it's not a shooter. It is a first party Microsoft. Does this game, game have animals in it? Of a sort. Wait. Is banjo a sort of animal? No, hold on. Like, is this a is this game associated with rare? Is this like a rare related game? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, he just means humans or animals. Uh, I hate it when he does this. We, so, have, we have six questions. Yeah. Is this is this game in rare replay? Yes. So it's Viva Pinata. Yeah. That's it 15. could be Viva Pinata. So it could be Viva Pinata. Could I mean it could be any of those games? Could be nope. you know, grab by the ghoulies. <laughs> okay. Wait, Viva Pinata not on rare replay. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. That and the sequel. Uh, Does this have pinatas in it? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Here uh, we go. Here is, we go. It, is it the original game in a series? Yes. Is it Viva Pinata? Yes. Woo! Viva Pinata. Sweet. We've been on a streak recently. That's because I haven't been on. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> what do you got today? Right. I'll take it up with the board afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. 2006. I was worried you were to ask me if it was first person, so I... Made sure I knew that, yes, it's first person. You just, but you can't see yourself. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think you're a piñata? No, I don't. You're a person. Uh, you're you. But uh, if you're a human piñata? <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. That's uh, weirdly I replay, overthinking it. <laughs> do the piñatas in Viva Piñata have souls? I don't they mate. They, they mate a lot. They sure mate. They do romance uh, dances. They do? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really cute to to show them, you know, making whoopee and making, you know, replicating. They have these cute little romance dances, and yeah. each animal's romance dance is different. And yeah. You get to watch the romance dance, and then they have a baby. Hmm. And then sometimes 
they'll romance dance with the baby and Whoa. yeah that's, when, that's that. when mark's done <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where i draw the line <laughs> i really like i replayed i i played a lot of rare replay and i think viva pinata is the game i played most in rare <laughs> replay like i i didn't quite get to the end because it gets weird and grindy at the end but like i probably played two-thirds of that game a second time game's great the uh the hard mode suggestion from sky brown was the ds viva pinata game yeah, uh, there was a spinoff. Yeah. I thought that might. What's be it called? Difficult. I don't remember. If it's Viva Pinata something. Is it? Are, it did it do the thing? All those games they probably DS Viva yeah. Pinata Romance Dance. Pinata digging. Yeah, Dual Strike. That uh, yep. was. I, I, it's been a long time since I've played Viva Pinata. Do the pinatas animals actually have any sort of pinata function? Like, is there any reason yeah. that they're pinatas? Yeah, they're they full of candy. Is what they eat. They eat candy. Is that true? That's like a okay. thing that you can so you give feed them, them candy, candy to get yeah. the stuff. Hmm. That's what real pinatas do. Yeah, they eat. Candy. They eat the candy, and then when they're ready, they go into the store, and then you can buy them. The whole, the, I go to a lot of kids' birthday parties now. Yeah, and it's always a pinata. Well, that's very popular in the Bay Area. Um, you know, even if it's not something that's like culturally part of their family, it's just a very frequent birthday party thing. Um, and it's always, you're always beating their yeah. favorite yeah. thing. You, like, it's so yeah. weird. Now the, the frozen prince is yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Elsa, and then I'm going to beat her with a broomstick. Yeah, yeah it's insane. Yeah, hmm. no one blinks an eye at it. The game Viva Pinata doesn't have that. Mechanic, I think so. Where you don't beat. I don't remember beating. The no, but they eat pinatas. like you know the you feed them candy. The predator ones will eat the the plant eating ones if you don't separate them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Again, I, just like real life. I live uh, in the mission, and uh, there's like uh, a lot of shops there that sell pinatas, and they're mm-hmm. like they're so funny and bootlegs. Yeah, like they're, they're crazy cool. Sometimes they like look pretty good, and sometimes they look terrible. But doing like, whatever they want with those pinatas. Man. A lot of times yeah. they're like the same human figure is used for Master Chief and, and Mario. <laughs> And they're just like decorated differently, just like yeah. green with like just, a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Or it's just like the big Mario head with like a big mustache, like painted. It's so great. It reminds me of like going to a Halloween store, and it's like everything is like yeah. It's like this is Mario, but we don't have the license. Yeah, so green, it's green like, adventure elf. It's, like, yeah, <laughs> I saw one. It was like Aladdin, and it's like a lad in a costume or yeah. something like that. I'm like, that's no really way. That's so good. Yeah, there's, there's like Plumber Brothers. <laughs> There are two food trucks in this neighborhood that are Nintendo knockoffs. There's a Yoshi, really? there's the Yoshi's uh, Pokey yeah. place, and I just saw another one mm. that was it was, it was Mario themed or something. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we go, Justin, you wanted to mention Murder by Numbers. Oh yeah, uh, well yeah, I like I really love it. It's New great playing. new game on Switch. Yeah, it's t- Picross with a story. Yeah, it's mm. Picross mixed with Phoenix Wright. So you are investigating the series of murders that happen, and then the way that they integrate in- integrate the Picross is so clever because you have this little robot that goes with you, and when he's scanning the environment for clues, like he finds something, and then that's the Picross puzzle is like revealing what it is that he found. Like oh, it's a cool. thumbprint or whatever. Um, the other thing I really like about it is that it takes place in 1992 or three. Mm. And I just think that's a very underrated yeah, time cool. period to like set a game, and they yeah. really lean into yeah. the '90s aesthetic. It sounds like a Damon game. Tom Street Fighter Two era. Tom reviewed <laughs> it, right. and you know, gave it a very positive review for IGN, and I completely agree. It's a great game. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, Sam, totally can you, can you reveal when your Animal Crossing review goes live? I mean, it'll be up by the time this up pod. No, it won't be. No, so I can't. Okay, <laughs> soon, sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, Sam will have a review of Animal Crossing, whatever the new one is. <laughs> and that's called the scoop. It's just so. called New Horizons. <laughs> and it has pinatas of a type in it. Of a type. Uh, that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Tayo. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. I never told you I was
feel